Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Arison Atakos. We are here again for another week. Hope everyone is well. I hope everyone's well. I hope the week is treated everyone nicely. Um, it's been a pretty I wouldn't say big, but like I said, I said this last week, well and truly into well and truly into the footballing season, and then there's an international break coming up, which is unfortunate. So I don't know what we'll, we'll probably just do another normal episode next week. Um, just probably touching on some international stuff and touching on some other relevant and important things. But um, I hope everyone's well. I hope the treat week has treated everyone nicely. Um, on my end, as you could probably tell for those watching on YouTube, a little bit more red in the face. It's not because I'm like sweating or blushing. Um, sunburn. Somehow, in the start of September, I got sunburnt. And not only did I get sunburnt, I've also got crippling hay fever as well. So, um, what I thought last week was a... What what I thought last week was just a normal cold just turned out to be hay fever, and I just didn't know that it was hay fever. So, the eyes and the eye region, red, as well as, like, the nose region, a bit red. So, I don't... I'm not high. I promise you I'm not high. Um, although it, although it does look like it a little bit. And I think I might be a little bit loud. I don't know. Am I just yelling a bit too much, or... Or is this normal volume? Okay, I just like adjusted it a little bit. I think I'm, I think I'm at a good level now. Um, maybe we'll just, we'll just bump it up a little bit more. Yeah, we'll bump it up by one. There you go. Um, yeah. So I promise you, I'm not high. I promise you, I'm not high. I'm just, yeah. That's all. I'm just hay fever and sickness and sunburnt, I should say. But yes, yeah, so I'm not sick. I've, I've recovered from whatever, whatever happened last week. But I hope everyone's well. Hope the week is showing you everyone nicely as always. Before we get into things, make sure you subscribe to Two Foot Tackle Podcast on YouTube and on um, and follow it on all the socials. Make sure you like like the podcast as well. Um, notification bell so you don't miss out on any clips or anything like that. Um, what else? What else? Oh yeah, all the audio platforms as well: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Two Foot Tackle Podcast on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Two FT Pod. All the relevant links are in the description on YouTube and there's a link trade link in the bio of both Twitter and Instagram for all your two foot tackle podcasting needs. Roll that off the tongue nicely, didn't I? Let's crack into things, shall we? Let's not waffle for too long. Um is that all the update I needed on the weekend? Yeah, that's all. Just I got sunburnt and I was I got sunburnt, a bit tired. Um yeah, got sunburnt, a bit tired and a bit a bit of hay fever. That's pretty much all of my pretty much wrapping up my weekend in any kind of relevant in any relevant kind of way. Um, this, this focus on this camera is god-awful, can I just say. Focuses on the faces behind me. There's probably a, a, a little bit of a... A little bit of an error in hindsight getting faces behind me because the camera picks up on the faces and focuses on the faces. When really, it should focus on my face because I'm once human and and that's... Anyways. Um, but yeah, that's what we're, what we're going to touch on today. Have a pretty big show. Pretty big episode. We're gonna touch on. We're just gonna do a Premier League wrap up. I want to, I may, I, in a in a way to broaden my um, talking points. I reckon we just do Premier League wrap up at the start of every podcast. Then we can really kick into the main talking points. Socceroos squad has been announced for the game against Mexico on the weekend, so we'll touch on that for all the Australians watching. I want to talk, I want to speak on Jude Bellingham because that boy's living a movie right now. I'll tell you that for free. And I want to speak on Mason Greenwood. <sighs> for fuck's sake. Jaden Sancho and the Champions League draw to finish things up before we wrap things up. So yeah, let's kick things off. Let's start with the Premier League wrap up. Let's go. 
let, let, let's speak on the Premier League. So a, 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 few, a lot of Premier League games have happening. Oh, I'll say a lot of Premier League games have happening. All the Premier League games have happened. There's no game that's happening post this game or post this podcast has come out. So the full Premier League weekend has wrapped up. Um, it started on Friday on Friday night UK time, Saturday morning um, Australia time. Luton losing to West Ham 2-1. A couple of interesting storylines. Obviously, West Ham find themselves in the top four at the end of this weekend, which is quite surprising considering... Um, their 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 early part of the fixture their early fixtures were pretty tough. Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Luton, you'd expect them to, to get results out of, but they also had Chelsea and Brighton, which they both picked up two three one wins, which I mean fair play to them, right? Um, yeah, but I think obviously Luton's first home game at for, yeah first home game of the season, obviously that's going to be a massive talking point throughout the whole year. Kenilworth Road, if any teams can upset them, or if Luton can upset any teams at home. And all that good stuff. Of course, they were actually still doing kind of maintenance to the to the ground whilst they were still doing maintenance to the ground whilst the players were, um, whilst the players were were playing and stuff, and whilst the fans were coming out. So I guess that goes to show just how much of a state that that ground is in in terms of for Premier League quality, I should say. Um, but you know, West Ham got a two one win. Full full credit to them. They played. They just they just did what they had to do. Obviously, Luton scored that goal late on. So. I don't know how many minutes of out of time there were. There was there was um two yeah there was five five minutes of out of time after the goal. So yeah, Luton probably couldn't could have got could have had a couple more chances. But yeah, West Ham probably did enough to win that game. So can't really blame them in that respect. And they find themselves in the top four after four games. So yeah, interesting. I don't know what their next run is like. Um, they've got City at home though. Potential for an upset there. They got Liverpool away. And they got Sheffield United at home, and then Newcastle away. So that's the oh, Newcastle at home. So that's the next four, and then they've got three cup games in between. They've got Europa League game against Baka Topola. Goodness gracious, they are based in I want to say Hungary. I want to say Serbia. Um, so yeah, they play. They they host the Europa League game on a Friday Friday morning Australia time. They go away to Lincoln in the first round of the Carabao Cup, and then they versus Freiburg away from home in the Europa League. So that's probably going to be a tough game for them. Freiburg are Freiburg were a very good side last year, so hopefully, so hopefully for their sake they can um they can carry that forward. But yeah, good good result by West Ham to start things off. Good start of the season. Moving on to the next game, Sheffield United versus Everton. We're not speaking about that game. That game was boring, and I actually didn't watch it. So I was out Saturday night, so I really haven't seen a lot of these whole Saturday games. But what I do want to speak about. Should we get up? Let's speak on the good news first. And the good news is Ange, right? The good news is Ange. Ange Postacoglu doing the business again. Three or five two victory. Obviously, he suffered his first defeat as Tottenham boss um, early on in the in the week. Obviously, losing the cup game to to Everton, um, not Everton, to Fulham. It was on penalties. I saw a lot of Tottenham supporters blaming Ange for that result. I think it's all. I think it's one of those things where he experimented with the team. It was a cup game. It's probably it's his first cup game, so he obviously is going to be weird. It's going to be different to how he's used to managing cup games, especially in England, where the cups are taken a little bit differently to how they are in other in other taught in other um, leagues. Um, so yeah, it was it was it's pretty interesting to see the reaction post that game. A lot of people blaming Ange for tactic for um, substitutions and squad lineups and the way he approached the game. So it was very interesting to see how they responded, and they responded really well. 5-2 win. They weren't actually 1-0 down, but then they came back. They went 5-1 ahead just after the hour mark. Sun with a hat-trick. Now, um, obviously, Burnley scored pretty late on. It was, yeah, the 94th minute. So 
the most consolation of consolation goals from Josh Brownhill. But yes, with no Richarlison up front, they went with Sun, um, Solomon, Kulisevsky, and Madison. That's probably their most dynamic front three, I think, that you can get because Sun has the ability to, to play off the left as well. Um, which is probably his more natural position as well as being able to play up front. So he has that ability to just intertwine, interchange, a little bit like Marcus Rashford, uh, being able to get into those half spaces but then break it through with those diagonal runs into the box, allowing for that overlapping and underlapping runs from Kulisevsky and Solomon. Madison has become an absolute player, can I just say. Like, yeah, I, th- I think... I think Ange mentioned that in his press conference when he was when he got asked about him, he was shocked that that they were able to get him for only forty million, and I'm actually surprised as well. I know relegation tax is a thing, but James Madison is a player, man. Like he's very, very good. He's one. He could prove to be one of the signings of the window if Tottenham can can carry on their form that what they're showing in the league, and they can probably make top four. He will hundred percent be a crucial part in whatever Spurs do this season because he just has his freedom to play in that number ten role. Almost like the almost like the modern day number ten, where he has the ability to drop tape and pick up the ball, but also can break in almost as a, like that shadow striker, and breaking and use those third man runs to to find space to the box and to impact on the score sheet. Scored a goal on the weekend. I think that's what he's. I think that's his third or fourth um, goal contribution in four games. Yeah, fourth goal contribution in four Premier League games. Two goals, two assists. He's finding form really early on and I think I don't know I don't know if this says a lot about Madison or if it says a lot about Ange or maybe a little bit of both but they seem to be clicking and I think a lot of people who knew Ange's system including myself um and knew a lot more of Madison like I have a I have a mate who's a, who's a Leicester supporter and he said that Madison will thrive under Ange um just because of the way that the, the way that the the player and the manager both operate it just works. So, um, yeah, they're, they're going to be good, Tottenham, unfortunately. But what can you say? Both fullbacks getting an assist, which is probably a very stereotypical edge plus Cogley kind of game with both fullbacks bombing on and making an impact in the final third. Burnley having a struggle, struggle early part of the season. One win from one win and three losses. Can't really blame them. They have had it. Oh, no. Sorry. Three losses, one win, then the one was in the cup. My, my apologies. But they're... Um, their, their, their run has been pretty tough. You've got City, City at home, tough. Villa at home, tough. And then um, Tottenham at home, tough. So I know they've had three home games, but all all pretty tough games. All pretty tough games. Villa have obviously been fantastic this season, probably barring their game against Liverpool, which we'll touch on a little bit later on. Touch on a little bit later. And obviously Tottenham as well are great, and City, we all know City, what they can do. So yeah, they they should, they have a pretty good run from here on in, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they've got, um, they've got Forest, they've got United, which will be tough, but then they've got Newcastle. Oh, sorry. So their their run their runs actually not that not that easy. Their next five home their next five prem games are Forest, United, Newcastle, Chelsea, Brentford. That's a tough, tough five games. Very tough five games. So I guess we just have to wait and see what what comes of that when it when it happens. I predict them to finish tenth. I don't know if that's going to come true. Now I thought they might be able to pick up a point from their first three games. Just somewhere, maybe against probably against Villa was probably where I was looking at for that point. But um I think they'll come good. I think they'll come good. Baptism of fire early on, but I think they'll come good eventually. So yeah, that was that game. But Ange Ange doing his shtick. Doing his shit? No, doing his shtick. That's that that's what it is. Doing his stuff. A man who's not doing his stuff, however, is Mircea Pochettino. Now, let's speak on let's speak on Chelsea, shall we? Let's speak on Chelsea. Um Oh boy. Goodness gracious me. I, yeah, I don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say. 
Look, I predicted Chelsea finish sixth. That's not because I don't rate the squad. It's not because I don't rate the manager. It's just because I think it's going to take time to gel. And you would look at this opening month of the season and be like, yep, this is what it means. This is this is a team that's ta- that has taken time to gel. But you don't lose 1-0 at home to Forest. You can't lose 1-0 at home to Forest. It was, like I said, I was out Saturday night, so I watched... I watched the, the I watched the second half when I got home. It just was like just poor, like really poor. Obviously, the the defensive structure to let Anthony Alanga throw on goal there is just abysmal. Like it's awful, and we just couldn't score. Nicholas Jackson, golden chance, golden chance. How he doesn't score that is beyond me. Like. Jesus, he has to score that. And he's been good. Like, he's been really good for us, I think, in the opening part of the season. He's, I mean, we haven't had a striker like him since Diego Costa. Like, the ability for someone who's physically capable. He's actually, he's like a mixture between, he's a mix between Drogba and, and Diego Costa, I think. Maybe maybe a little bit quicker and a little bit more, um, I want to say technical, but a little bit more, languid than either of those two players. Obviously, Drogba and Costa were far more like we're brutes of, of, of number nines, right? And they've been our, our, our best two number nines in the Premier League era, realistically. Since since we started since we started winning in 05, we've only had two good strikers. I mean, we've had like Torres, he's been okay. He was average. Morata was good for about four months. Higuain, shit. Havertz, not great. Werner, not great. Crespo, okay. Uh, Crespo was okay. Shevchenko, terrible. These other players. Anyways, I digress. But Jackson, Jackson is showing something. He's showing something. Maybe a little bit like Tammy Abraham. He has. Yeah, I think he's a mixture between Tammy, Tammy's physic, Tammy's f- like physical attributes. Quite tall, a little bit lanky, but he has the technical ability and the ability to run past run past players to take on a man and to like use his use his good dribbling ability and his good agility to get past players. So. Yeah, he hopefully he can really hit the ground running. He sc- scored his first Premier League goal the other, the other week, so he's off the mark in that respect. Scored against Luton, um, scored the, the third goal against Luton, so he's on the mark, which is much needed. Obviously, it's one of those things where you need to get off the mark early, just so you're not, just so you're not like where where's that goal coming from? A bit like Timo Werner, just where's that goal coming from? But um, no, he he was good. He 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 was good. Poor miss, though. Poor miss. Apart from that, he was pretty good. Sterling, I thought, was okay. Cole Palmer coming in was was good, I thought, driving forward and, and taking on players and really being a spark. But apart from that, just poor. Like, like Caicedo was okay. I thought Enzo Fernandez was great as usual. I think that's that's not really a surprise. I think our back, I think our back three was were pretty good. Back four, even, were pretty good um, for the most part. Barring obviously the goal, I think they held up quite well. Um, what else? Malagusta on the on the right hand side was pretty good, but yeah, it's just it's just like, eh, like we have so many attacking players. Like we've got Palmer, Sterling, Palmer, Sterling. Like who who started the game? Sterling, Jackson, and Chilwell were basically our three attackers because of the way we moved to a four, and then Gusto was our four attackers essentially, with our flat three. Of um with a flat three of Gallagher, Caicedo and, and Enzo, and then off the bench you got Palmer, Modeke, Mudrik, um yeah, and then obviously Chukomeka has been injured, which is a bit unfortunate because he was good as he he he's would be needed as well. But 
yeah, it's just not clicking right now, which is very disappointing. But I, I, f- I feel confident that it will eventually start to come together and we will start to pick up results. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll, I, I think our run from here on is pretty good. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, Burnley. They're our next four. Three wins from that from those minimum. I know, I know Villa's going to be tough. It's at home, which helps us. But yeah, three wins from that minimum. If we can get, if we can pick up at least nine points from those four games, back back on track, back on track. Get the momentum going. Hopefully, get some players back. I'm not really, I'm not too sure where Jukumeka's um, slated to return, but he was he was good in the early part of the year when he played. So, um, yeah, get some players back. Hopefully, get some more mileage in the legs. Lots of Mudrick and Moda. Okay, try to try to get them into the games a little bit more. Try to start them, and hopefully, we can kick on. But. Ah, uh, it was poor, poor, very poor and very annoying. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, moving on to a team that didn't play poorly and got the job done, and that's City. Can we speak on Erling Haaland just briefly? <laughs> like, can we speak? Can, can we speak on Erling on Erling Haaland just briefly? Because that man <coughs> is a joke. Part of me. Erling Haaland is an actual joke. A joke of a footballer. It is something like fifty. Like I can't believe I'm about to say this. He's an absolute joke of a footballer. Like an absolute joke of a footballer. Fifty Premier League goals in thirty-nine Premier League games. Like that is that is like just cracked. Like cracked. He's up there already with one of the best Premier League strikers ever. Like I don't care. He's so like he the way he took that third goal on the weekend. Where it just comes across the box, first time left foot, bottom corner at a million miles an hour, just like it's nothing. Like one of the most ruthless finishes the game has ever seen. If City sign him on to a long term deal, he could a hundred percent be the best the best striker the league has ever seen. Arguably the best player the league has ever seen. He maybe Ballon d'Or is a little bit too far, just because he didn't really do anything on the international stage. But then again, he did win the treble. So if he keeps up this goal-scoring form, could he win the Ballon d'Or? Like, genuinely, could he win the Ballon d'Or? I wouldn't be surprised. Genuinely wouldn't be surprised. Maybe there's other players ahead of him, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation. Definitely will be in the conversation. He's so good. Like, it's actually it's actually a little bit of a joke how good he is. Like, it's just, just absurd. Just ridiculous. Like... We haven't seen. I have never seen anything like this. I, I was born in 04, and I started really watching the Prem from about twenty thirteen on, onwards. Right, I've never seen anything like this. Blows a lot of players out of the water. A lot. It's genuinely unfair that he's at Man City. Like it's genuinely unfair because if he was at a team that was okay without being great, then sure it would it would be good to watch. But the fact that he's at City scoring a hundred goals a year, it seems like. It's just really not fair. It's just really not fair to the rest of the league. But he's he's cracked. He's so good. Um, a t- another player that scored a hat trick, Evan Ferguson. Once again, where and how has this guy just spawned in 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 Brighton's team? I know I know it's not like that because like Evan Ferguson's been on the radar for a lot of people for a while. He's shown that he's he's a talent, right? especially at, at youth level. But he's just come the, come onto the scene in the last couple of months and it's just blow. He has the potential to blow the league wide open. Hatrick on the weekend, four Premier League goals in his first four games of the season, and yeah, just like 
exceptional. Scored scored six goals last season from ten starts and and, seven, and sixteen appearances. So he's not he's not a mug and he's not someone who they've just spawned from nowhere. He's come through. He's not come through their their academy, but he got there quite young. Got there in the off season of twenty twenty one. So he's been there a couple of years and has been has been a player that has shown a lot, especially especially at youth level. Yeah, just really really exciting times for Brighton because they finally got a striker that can finish. Like Brighton could be like th- this is the thing with Brighton, right? This is the thing with Brighton. Brighton have always been a team. Brighton have always been a team that if they got that striker that could finish, the it's game over. Like they had Malpai couldn't finish, Welbeck couldn't finish, Undav couldn't finish, and they just needed that final piece of the puzzle, a player who can just put the ball in the back of the net and they were going to be deadly. And now they've got one. And not only have they got one, they've got one that will I reckon will be there for quite a while. He is... Baller. Ferguson is a baller. I really hope he stays with Ireland, just on a side note, because I really don't want him to go to England, because I really hope he, he stays stays Irish and represents Ireland. He's represented them at youth level um, quite a few times. So I don't think there's going to be any change of allegiance, allegiance there, but he is a talent. Like, he is so, so good. Has so many attributes that makes him so dangerous in so many areas, and he fits Brian's system perfectly. There's no need to change or mould or shift anything in the build-up play. You just put him at the top of that team, put him as that focal point, and he'll score you bags of goals. Genuinely, 20 goals this season, wouldn't be surprised. Would not be surprised in the slightest because he's good and they're good, and it's creating for a deadly partnership. So exciting times if you're a Brighton fan. Exciting times if you're a Brighton fan. Not so exciting times if you are a Newcastle fan. Newcastle, see... This is the this is the thing is with Newcastle, right? And I, I I kind of alluded to this. I kind of alluded to this. Um, <coughs> apologies. I kind of alluded to this preseason. Newcastle were always going to have a form slump. Always going to have a form slump because it, the you cannot maintain the level that they were at last year with not really adding a whole lot to your squad. They added, but they didn't add a bunch. Plus Champions League football, plus now the mentality shift from the rest of the league that they are now good and they're going to be treated far more seriously. There was always going to be a natural decline in Newcastle. Their start of the season has been poor. Granted, their their run has been horrendous. It's been a baptism of fire, baptism of fire to say the least. But I don't think it's a panic stations for Newcastle. How must get sacked, change the whole team. I think it will. I think it will just come. I think it will just slowly. They'll start to get. They'll start to get their form ticking again. They'll start to play a bit more fluid football. And once they get into the full swing of the season, once they get used to the rigors of Champions League football and cup football and league football all in one, I think they'll start to come good. I just think their start of the season, with the mentality shift from the rest of the comp, from the rest of the league, has just caused this kind of this kind of store like this like I don't know how to describe it. It's caused this storm of like. It, um, it's a perfect storm, I should say. It's just caused this perfect storm of just it, everything has gone wrong, and I don't think everything will continue to go wrong. I think eventually, eventually it will change. Eventually, the the fortunes the 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 fortunes will eventually change for Newcastle. I'm not too I'm not too worried about that, and I'm not too worried for them because it won't last. This this almost certainly won't last. So I, I'm not too worried about them. 
it's just quite interesting to see the reaction from a lot of Newcastle fans and a lot of Premier League fans who were like, they were really good last year and now they're not as good, so maybe something's wrong. I don't think anything's wrong. I think it's just... I think it's just one of those things. I think it's just one of those things where eventually it will come good. Eventually it will come good, I think. I don't see any, I don't see any issues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those... It's going to be one of those... Um, yeah, it's going to be one of those wait-and-see type things, I feel. Definitely going to be one of those wait-and-see type things with Newcastle because now their run's pretty good. Speaking about runs, quite a lot this um this this episode, but now their run's quite good. Brentford, Brentford winnable, Sheffield United winnable, Burnley winnable, West Ham, Palace, Wolves, all winnable games. So they should start to get, the, get some points on the board, start ticking over, and eventually they, they should come good. Um... Let's speak on Arsenal United briefly before we move on to the main couple of talking points in this in this podcast. Um, Arsenal versus United, hey, what an interesting, what an interesting and weird game it was. Yeah, just obviously Arsenal dominated. I think as expected, United probably a little bit far more defensive than what a lot of people thought they would be. Um, obviously, with the low playing on their left hand side with that midfield three: Casemiro, Bruno, and Eriksson. Not bad. Hoyland made his... I think that's how you pronounce his name anyway. Hoyland made his first appearance coming off the bench. He was crucial for that disallowed goal um, with with um, Garnacho at the end, which is an offside. <sighs> Look, I've spoken about VAR for years. I think it's offside just, but it's ruining the game. It's ruining the game. It's It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's offside, but in the same thing, it's like... <sighs> Is it like is it offside? Is is Garnacho gaining an advantage from being in that position? No, he could be in an onside position and still score, because that's just how it works. That's just how football works. It's not. It's it's by the letter of the law, it's offside. By morals, it's not. So it's one of those things. But yeah, Hoyland comes off the bench and made an impact. Especially in that goal, obviously dropping deep, drawing the defenders out, allowing the run from Garnacho in behind. Arsenal dominated the game. Obviously, Rashford's early goal was cancelled out very quickly by Odegaard. Two, two very good, two very well taken strikes. The Rice goal at the end. Yeah, that's it's one of those things, hey, where it's just scramble in the box. You just have to get a toe on it. You just have to like smash it towards the goal, and hopefully, it just scrambles in. He's a deed himself. That's the moment that like he's now an Arsenal player. If that makes sense, that that is Rice's moment. That is like okay, I've I've won you a game. I've scored the winner at home against United earlier in the season. He, he's like an Arsenal player now. That that's the moment that he needed to like cement himself amongst the Arsenal faithful. So happy for him. He's a good player. Played well again in that single in that holding midfield position. Obviously no Partey playing on the right-hand side like like he has been in the last couple of weeks. They um they did go with they did go with Ben White, obviously naturally the natural replacement for him. And they went back to a far more familiar back back kind of back six or back five I should say with the with with Rice playing the Partey role of last year. Um Havertz Stinker again. I mentioned it last week. I'm not gonna go about it again, go on about it again, but they've fallen into the Kai Havertz trap. They have fallen into the Kai Havertz trap. And as a Chelsea supporter, I know about that trap. I know about that trap. So oh well, it's one of those things. I am not gonna say I told you I'm not gonna sit here and say I told you so, but I told you so. Um but apart from that, while Arsenal players played played very well, I thought. 
from what I saw of the game in the rest that I did before. Obviously, I didn't. It was at one thirty in the morning. I didn't. I didn't watch all of it. I watched the first half. Um, a couple of penalty shouts as well. Happy to see both of those not given in my mind. I think my my, my first reaction, maybe for the Habits one, my first reaction was no. No, sorry for that. My my first reaction to the Habits one was maybe, but uh, my reaction to the other one was 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 no. Um, and I'm happy that both of those that both of those um both of those not didn't stand, not stood. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So United poor, surprisingly poor. I thought I thought they would have come out and be a little bit more try catch it, try a little bit more advanced, a little bit more progressive, but they, they really did sit back and try to play on the counter. They didn't really get Rashford into the game that much except for the goal, and that goal came from a misplaced pass from Kai Havertz, I'm pretty sure it was, or like a, a dodgy pass from, from one of Arsenal Arsenal's midfielders. So, um, yeah, it wasn't like Rashford t- tore the game apart or was getting in and behind and was really troubling the Arsenal defence. I don't really think... Like, we started Martial up front. He's... Very hit and miss for me. I went with Anthony on the other side. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, Anthony on the other side was average. And it's been... Like, the team is a little bit carried by Bruno and Rashford, I think. It's just one of those things where it's like, what's going on? Like, it's just them two, and there's nothing else, which is quite concerning. Once Hoyland starts to get more more involved, and once Hoyland starts to start more games, I think he's going to be very good for them. I mean, he showed in that goal, or in that disallowed goal, his ability to drop deep, his game awareness to drop deep, drag the defenders out and get those balls in behind, or allow the, the space in behind to get the balls to the, to the cutters, will be very interesting, especially Rashford. I feel like Rashford's going to benefit a lot from, from Hoyland's um, existence, because he can both drop deep, he can push up, so he can... He can drag the. He can use his pace and use his ability to push the defenders up to create space in in that half space for Rashford's cut in. But then he can also push the defenders forward and create space over the top. So he's a very dynamic and very fluid striker that will allow Rashford a lot of space in a couple of areas where he's very where he's very dangerous. And as well, naturally, d- defenders being drawn to Hoyland will allow space for Anthony on that right hand side. And Bruno is a very good dictator, especially from that like middle third, more like advanced positions. Get those balls in behind, get those balls into the half space. So I think once Worthen starts to play a little bit more, he can um he can really be the key to unlocking United in an offensive in an offensive way because yeah, they were very poor in the attacking third, I thought. Um defensively they're, defensively they were quite solid. They didn't really concede all too many clean cut chances. Obviously the goal obviously the goal from from Odegaard was well taken. That's probably one of the few times where they were genuinely carved up throughout the game. I, I'm not gonna count the last goal because it's just a scramble. It's like a last-ditch effort, and you just get caught on the counter. Good pass from Vieira to, to Jesus. He took the goal quite well. Obviously, the, the 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 rice winner just came from a came from a corner, so you can't really take a lot from that. But I thought, yeah, weird game from United. Good game from Arsenal. They needed that just to get back on track after a couple of disappointing performances. Um, disappointing performances start the season, and obviously disappointing result against Fulham. So they they're back on track with a good win. Hopefully, they could kick off from here. I think for their sake. But yeah, that is all for the Premier League kind of. Um, that is all for the Premier League kind of thing, if that makes sense. Aspect of the show, of the podcast. Let's move on to as the throat's getting a little bit sore. So I'm going to quickly pause, record. Throat's a little bit sore, and then we'll come back for the for the second half, second portion of this podcast. Which once again, no break for everyone else, just a break for me. So bear with. All right, let's speak on let's speak on the Socceroos squad. So, like I said, international break 
coming up over the weekend, over the, the, the coming weekend, and Australia will travel to, I think we, we, we're going to America to versus Mexico. Oh, well, here's one of those things. Oh, I guess it's actually not a bad, um, not a bad warm-up. Very, very early warm-up for the World Cup, but a warm-up for the World Cup, not, nonetheless. It's, eight, it's AT&T Stadium in Dallas, so um, hopefully there's a big crowd there, get the boys some exposure. But the squad was announced. Obviously, Grand Minor was picked his 20, 26 men or 23 men. Um, I think it might be 23 man, yeah, 23 man squad for the singular friendly, which is a bit annoying because if you're, if you're traveling all the way to the US, you'd hope it'd be more than one friendly, but Mexico are a good team or a team that are able to play expensive football. So it's going to be a good test, especially for our kind of, to, to show our ability to not heavily rely on the counter-attack. Like if we can turn up against Mexico and start playing football, and start like like dominating, not dominating, but having the ability to control possession in the middle third and creating chances that aren't on the counter attack. I think that's going to be good for us. But um, yeah, we our, our our next two currently scheduled games against Mexico and England. So obviously that England game will be played in October. So yeah, those two games will be good, a good litmus test for, for for us, I feel. But let's get into the squad. Going in alphabetical order: Nathaniel Atkinson, Keanu Bacchus, Aziz Bage, Martin Boyle. Cam Burgess, Alessandro Siratas? No, 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 no. Pretty much, I butchered that. I'll come back to that because I should get that right. As a as a Greek speaker, an Italian name should be okay. Um, Nick D'Agostino, Milos Degenek, Cam Devlin, Mitch Duke, Dennis Genro, Tom Glover, Jackson Irvine, Matt Leckie, Ashley May- Maynard Brewer. Brewer? Yeah, Bre- Brewer. I think that's how you pronounce that. Making his debut in the squad. Well, he hasn't had a cap, so I'm pretty sure this is his debut in his squad in the squad as well. Riley McGree, Conor Metcalf, Adam O'Neill, Kai Rouse, Matt Ryan, Sammy Silvera. Very interested to see how how he goes because he's been playing well for Middlesbrough. I'm pretty sure. Harry Suter, Ryan Train. Harry Suter is an interesting one. Harry Suter is an interesting one because he's been dropped completely. Like he was dropped completely from the squad against Leicester, or for Leicester, I should say, in their game on the weekend. So. That's that's disappointing. That's very that that like for a player who's had such high hopes, especially from a lot of Australians, it's very disappointing. I think we obviously all know how well he played in the World Cup, and when he got signed to Leicester, there was a lot of high hopes, like building that, building that kind of center, like the the potential for him to build that center back partnership with Rouse, with Sakadi, with uh, but with various different players who could break through and become very good center halves for Australia. He was like the center point of that kind of, of that, of our future. Like he was going to be the captain. He was going to be the, the focal point, especially in that back, in that back four or five or whatever. Um, but yeah, disappointing that he got dropped from Leicester's squad on the weekend. Hopefully he can find some form and really become a good player for the national team. Because I think he's good. I think he's good. I think he can become a very, very solid player. Definitely Premier League level, in my opinion. Definitely Premier League level. But apart from that, the squad, I'm happy with the squad. We're giving, a, we're giving some more players a chance. Um, giving more players a chance, giving where like obviously there's no no full stitch in that team. So obviously I don't know if that's injury based or if that's form based or if that's just Arnie just mixing up the squad. But yeah, the likes of D'Agostino, the likes of D'Agostino, Silvera. I'm happy Adam O'Neill made it. I'm happy with our midfield mix for the team for the current players that we've got. Um, yeah, Sakadi as well. Burgess, I think has been I think is deserved. Yordi Boss, very unfortunate that he got injured because he definitely would have featured. But if I was to go with a lineup, I would, I'd want Glover to start. But he'll probably start Ryan. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Glover start. Um, 
I think we'll go with Atkinson, a right back. Obviously, there's no um, Frank Karicic as well, which I've just noticed. So I reckon you go Atkinson, a right back. You play as you said, left back. I think, oh, but Ryan Strain's been playing very well, I think, in Scotland from memory. So I think you might want to reward him. Maybe you can sub him on at half time. But I feel like you have to just go with, with Suter and Rouse. I think, I think we, when you're looking at a spine of a team, you want to try to get as much continuity as possible. And because we don't have that many friendlies, you could play Sakadi, but I don't want I don't want him to kind of I don't want any like I don't want to upset the apple cart too much, especially when it comes to crucial positions like centre back. So I will go with Suits and Rails, get that partnership up, make sure just get get the get the legs ticking over in terms of playing with each other and understanding each other's like the way they each other play football and build that connection up. I would go with a I would go with a midfield four. I'd play a four four two. So I'd go with I'd go with. I think Irvine has to start. I would actually start Irvine and Bacchus. I start Irvine and Bacchus. I would go. Yeah, I'd start Irvine and Bacchus. I would play Riley McGray on the left. Yeah, Irvine and Bacchus in the middle. Irvine, uh, no, McGray off the left. He can also like come in and play as that like inverted inverted winger in a sense. On the right, I'd play Lecky, and then up front. Uh, yeah, actually, I wouldn't play Boyle, actually. Yeah, I'd play Lecky on the right. I wouldn't mind seeing da- oh, man, Daggers and Silvera as that kind of striker false nine would be good. I feel like he will start Duke. If he starts Duke, I wouldn't mind seeing Sammy Silvera start as that kind of second striker. Um, is it his natural position? Maybe, maybe not, depending on who you ask. But I feel like he could thrive in that role. Um, probably, probably. I think he's been playing out wide for Middlesbrough. Um, more often than not, if I recall correct correctly Silvera um just want to double check that so yeah I, I it's going to be interesting to see it's going to be interesting to see what what Arnie does yeah in his last game that he played he played off the played off the, played off the left off the right sorry um so yeah I, I wouldn't mind seeing Silvera in that 10 though in that kind of second striker probably not his natural position but I feel like using his pace, using his ability to, to get past the man and to drive us forward, I feel like he definitely has the ability to pick up the ball deep and drive forward. And I feel like that's something that we've lacked. Probably McGree can do that. Leckie can do that. Um, Goodwin can do that. He's not in the squad. Boyle, Boyle's a little bit more of a final third operator. He's probably not going to pick up the ball and drive out of defense. He's probably going to be there lurking in around the 18-yard box, getting on the end of moves rather than starting them. But um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with our squad. I'm happy with our squad. I would have much preferred two games because then you can really get a you can really get a look at um Sakati. You can really get a look at Burgess. You can really get a, a good look at Glover or Ryan or, or the third third choice caper if you want. You could probably get a full ninety minutes into Silvera, into D'Agostino, into Aiden O'Neill. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Arnie does. I expect to see a big change at halftime. I expect to see like. I expect to see seven or eight changes at halftime, um, just to get just to see what 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 players can offer. If I was to pick players to want to get ninety minutes, I would I want to see I want to see Silvera get ninety. I really do want to see Silvera get ninety. I want to see Silvera. I want to see Bacchus get ninety. I want to see McGree get ninety, and Suter. They're the four players that I would want to get see get full ninety minutes. Then you can bring in. Then you can like fully refresh the squad. You probably obviously give. Uh, you maybe do give ninety to Aziz. I don't know, but yeah, they're the four players I would really want to see ninety. Um, ninety minutes on, 
daggers as well. I don't know if I mentioned daggers. I don't think I did. But yeah, I'd love to see daggers get some solid minutes as well because he's been playing well for Viking. Um, and it, in hindsight, it would have been very valuable in the World Cup squad because we didn't we lacked that kind of true dynamic forward because we went with we went with Duke and then we saw McLaren on target to really get a look in. Um, yeah, we, we, we that di- dynamism from Dagasina would have been handy in Qatar. But I feel like if he can carry on his form that he's showing in Norway, if he can if he can make an appearance and score in this friendly, if he can make an appearance and score or perform well against England in October, I feel like that will really put him set him well for the Asian Cup. And that Asian Cup starts in, in January, doesn't it? Is it January or late late, late Feb? Um or sorry, late January, early Feb. It starts oh, thirteenth of Jan. Lovely. Yeah, thirtieth of Jan. Um and then obviously yeah, India, Syria and Uzbekistan in our group, which is Pretty tough, but but doable, and I'm sure I'll cover that in more detail when it comes to it. Um, we've got time, we've got a couple of months, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with our squad. Um, yeah, obviously the 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 glaring omissions are the likes of not glaring, but like whether it's injury based or just giving players a, giving players a, a taste of, of football. So obviously no no cross stitch and, and the like, but um yeah no happy happy with the squad, definitely happy with what Graham Arnold has has done with it. So yeah, there's that. Let's move on. To what are we moving on to? Yeah, let's move on to let's 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 touch on Jude Bellingham. Let's touch on Jude. Jude, Jude, like yeah, Jude Bellingham is obviously scoring a goal. Um, sorry. Yeah, Jude Bellingham is literally living a movie. Um, Jude Bellingham is literally living a movie, and it's so cool to see. Um, sorry, just need to write down some notes for me for, for, for editing Ari. Um, yeah, Jude Bellingham is literally living a movie, like a literally living a movie. Scored the winner in the 90th minute in, in the Bernabeu on the weekend. Like he, he's literally living goal. Like he's literally living Santiago Munoz's life. Like it's insane. Not only is he good, like not only is he objectively a fucking baller, like he's so good. He's living just literally living the dream, literally living a movie. And if his trajectory is is maintained, he can so easily win the Ballon d'Or. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but he is so, so capable of winning a Ballon d'Or. And I think the remove three Real Madrid works. I think it works. I was sceptical. I was sceptical when the move was announced. But just seeing how, firstly, seeing how well he looks and how good he looks just in that Real Madrid kit... It's something so small, but I just think it works. Like, that works. The aesthetic of it all works. And I think, by all accounts, the fans have warmed to him, which is major, especially for a, um, especially for, um, for Real Madrid fans, right? You need, They need... It, it takes a lot for, for players to warm to Real Madrid fans. So I think it's going to be one of those things where if he can just carry on doing what he's doing, the fans are going to adore him. And once the fans adore you... That's that's a big step in being becoming a Real, Real Madrid legend. Obviously, he's the first English Real Madrid player since Steve McManaman, I think. He might have been, uh, or him or Michael Owen. I can't remember who was who was before or who was after. But yeah, the, he's he's one of he's one of very few English Real Madrid players, and he's already yeah, just he's literally living a movie, man. He's literally living Santiago Munez's dream, like all his life even. Literally straight out of goal. It's so cool, so cool to see that that v- vision when he's grabbing the top, when he's grabbing the jumper, and the fans are going mental in that 4K La Liga 
um, in that 4K La Liga kind of um, in that camera. So, so cool. And um, yeah, he's a... He's eight. He's twenty years old. He's twenty years old. He's a kid from Birmingham doing this for Real Madrid. Insane. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I just want to touch on that briefly. Let's finish things up. Let's speak on Greenwood briefly. I'm not. I'm not going to touch on it. I'm not going to touch on it for too long because I don't want to give this fucking sucker shit um, any more airtime that he needs to. But um, Spanish Spanish football. Spanish football has had the worst couple of days in the history of any footballing organization ever. Not only has the Spanish FA saga with um, with the with the women's team happening, not yeah. So not only has the saga with the women's team just got exploded and has become a stupidly worldwide issue that really should have been resolved quickly, and because of inherent and systematic sexism and misogyny, it. it isn't being resolved, but now Spanish club Getafe have hired or have who have, have acquired the the services of Mason Greenwood for a year. It's just shocking. Like it's just fucking abysmal. Like I don't like. It has to be the worst PR signing of all time. Of all time. I hope Getafe go down and I hope they don't win a game for the rest of the season. I hope the club goes bankrupt. Genuinely, like maybe not that far, but like. Uh, how can you do that? How can you do that? Especially with what's happening with your women's team. Like it's, it's just, it's just abysmal. Like it, it, it sucks so bad. Like it's, it, it's, it sucks so bad. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'm not gonna speak about it anymore because I don't want to. Um, I don't want to give it any more airtime. I really don't want to give it any more airtime because it's, it's, it's just awful. It's just awful. Let's speak on. Let's finish things up and let's speak on the Champions League draw. Obviously, Champions League draw was announced, so let's just rattle through the clubs quickly before we wrap up and let's give predictions on the, who's going to go through. So, Group A: Bayern, United, Copenhagen, and Galatasaray. I think Bayern and United should go through in that one. Group C: Napoli, Real Madrid, Braga, and Union Berlin. Napoli and Real Madrid should go through, but look out for Union. I think Union Berlin could cause could cause some shocks. I wouldn't be surprised if they. Upset the Apple Cardi in Group... Well, that's actually Group C. So, let me backtrack to Group B. Um, but yeah, that's Group C. Group B, Sevilla, Arsenal, PSV and Lens. Or Lons, or whatever. Arsenal and Sevilla should go through. PSV, Dark Horse in that one. Um, but yeah, Arsenal and Sevilla should go through. Yeah, Group C, Real Madrid and Napoli should go through. But Union, look out for them. That'll be good. Group D, Benfica, Inter, Salzburg and Real Sociedad. I think Benfica will top that group and Inter will finish second. I think that's what it will be. Benfica, uh, Benfica, from memory, notoriously pretty good in Europe, so I think they're going to carry on that. Group E, Feyenoord, Atletico, Lazio, and Celtic. I reckon Atletico should top it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fall and they kind of choke. I feel like this is one where we could see like a Lazio and Celtic go through. I feel like that I wouldn't be surprised, but Atletico should go through with with Lazio in 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 if we talk speaking realistically. Group F, PSG, Dortmund, Milan, Newcastle. Genuine group of death, like a genuine proper group of death. I don't know if there's been a proper group of death in the Champions League for a while, but that group is insane. Like, that group is insane. The the away trips, imagine if you're, a, if you're a Newcastle fan and you look at that, you're thinking an away trip to Paris, Dortmund, and Milan? Fucking forget about it. That is insane. 
I can't wait to see so like so many Geordies packing out the San Zero. Unreal. I don't think they're going to go through. My my gut tells me Paige GNA San Milan. That's my gut. That's that's what my gut's telling me. Dortmund are good. Newcastle good. It's going to be a very competitive group. I feel like that's one of that's a group that could come down to the last match day, and that's going to be drama. I can tell you that for free. Um, group G: City, Leipzig, Zvena, Zvena. Here we go. Kvena Zvazda. Team from Croatia or Serbia, I think. Forgive me for butchering that pronunciation. And young boys uh, from Switzerland, City and Leipzig should go through quite comfortably. And then Group H, Barca, Porto, Shakhtar Donetsk and Antwerp from Belgium. I'm pretty sure Belgium uh, Antwerp are from. Um, Barca and Porto should go through. Although Shakhtar, once again, notoriously, just they just always hang around in Europe and they can always just upset the apple cart. But yeah, let's rattle through. Group A, Bayern and, Real, and Bayern and United will go through. Group B, Sevilla and Arsenal. Group C, Napoli and Real Madrid. Group D, Benfica and Inter. Group E, I'm going to go Lazio, Atletico. Group F, PSG, AC Milan. Group G, City, versus Leipzig, City and Leipzig. And Group H, Barcelona, versus Barcelona and Porto. They're my in-order Champions League groups Who and who's going through. But yes. That is all. I'm not going to do a preview because obviously international football is European qualifiers and stuff. So hopefully Australia can win their game against Mexico. Hopefully Greece can win their game. I'm pretty sure they're playing. I'm assuming they would be playing. They've got European Championship qualifiers. So um, yeah, hopefully they can win. And hopefully I can go to Germany next year and support support Greece in their first major tournament since the 2014 World Cup. Hopefully that happens. But yeah, there you go. Thank you all very much for watching another episode of the Two Front Attacker Podcast. Make sure you subscribe um, on YouTube. Like the podcast, notification bell, all that good stuff. Make sure you follow on... De- TikTok and Instagram, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter to Foot Tackle Podcast on all those platforms. Um, yeah, all the relevant links are in the YouTube description. All the relevant links are, I've got two link tray links in the bio of TikTok, of Twitter and Instagram for all your two Foot Tackle Podcasting needs. Um, yeah, that's, that's all, isn't it? I think that's all. Oh, I've just, okay, so there you go. We're going to undo that. Oh, this is really good stuff. So this is me doing live editing for those watching on YouTube. Um, I changed my OBS. Um, for those for those on audio, this is going to mean nothing to you. But I changed my OBS kind of format. So um, it kind of stuffed up when I tried to do the outro there. But yeah, now the outro is fixed. So hopefully the outro should work now. Make sure you follow all those links and do all that good stuff. Um, and see you guys next week. Maybe a special episode next week. I'll see if I can organize something. If not, I'll just be here chatting shit as per. Thank you for sticking around. Make sure you do all the good stuff. Like I said, enjoy your week. Speak soon. Goodbye.